Rene Girard was one of the great thinkers, Catholic thinkers, of the 20th century. Interestingly enough, he did his doctorate here at IU and then spent most of his teaching career at Stanford University. Rene Girard was writing in the late, mid to late 20th century, so he, he was doing his doctorate here in the early 50s. And so one of the things that he was wrestling with as a thinker, as a philosopher, were the atrocities and the genocides of the 20th century. The first half of the 20th century, I believe, was the deadliest in human history from war and from human interactions, not just from plague or something along those lines. And so he's trying to wrestle with this. How is it possible that in so many different places, these terrible things are happening to people? And he came up with a theory that became known as the mimetic theory. Now, I'll be honest, before I get into this, I know just enough about Rene Girard to be dangerous. I've read some of his works. I've read a lot of works that have been influenced by him, but I, I don't portray myself to be an expert. But Rene Girard's mimetic theory is basically this, is that individually, each person is in, one, is in many ways incapable of understanding how to interact with the world. And so we imitate the people around us. And this manifests itself in mass movements when we gather together and take out all of our anger, all of our hostility, and our frustration on a scapegoat. He calls this the scapegoat mechanism. Basically, is that we see other people getting angry, we get angry, we find the thing, the person, the idea, the faith, whatever it is, and we take out all of our hostility on that thing. And what's interesting is, he was a very faithful Catholic man, Rene Girard, is how biblical this worldview and this theory is. Because we know in our faith that Jesus Christ came into this world and though he knew not sin, took all of sin onto himself so that we could be redeemed. We also see in the scriptures today from the parable that Jesus gives us this mimetic theory in a way in practice. The Pharisee looks at the tax collector and the world around him as the problem. And how often does this happen in our own hearts? That political candidate or elected official or that idea or that group of people, they, they are the problem. And if we can get rid of them, then everything will be good. And what does Jesus say is the just man's response? Who walks away justified? Not the one who condemns the other, not the one who thinks the problems in the world lie with someone or something else, but the tax collector who recognizes his sinfulness whose only words, without even being able to raise his eyes because he's so ashamed, are, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That is what we are called to become. The irony, in one way, of the mimetic theory in relationship to our faith is that Jesus becomes the scapegoat. We are called to be one with Christ, and therefore we too are called to take all of that on to offer ourselves, to commit our lives to changing our hearts, our lives, our relationships with other people, to recognize our own struggles, 
our own brokenness, but also to ask God continually, as we heard last week in the gospel, for what we need. You and I do not bear the responsibility for changing the world and society in one way, macro level. But we do, in fact, change the world, and we are called to change the world by each and every one of us giving our lives to Christ, by turning away from sin, by embracing our cross, by recognizing our brokenness, and by desiring to be healed. There's a story, and it is a story, I even looked this up on the website that does a lot of studies on G.K. Chesterton, of G.K. Chesterton. That when he was writing, he was a Catholic writer in the early 20th century, he got a letter from the Times of London, and they sent it out to all the luminous writers in that time, and they said, what's wrong with the world? And G.K. Chesterton, the story goes, wrote a letter, Dear Sir, I am yours truly, Gilbert Keith Chesterton. But that's the Christian response. That's the only thing we can control. When St. Thomas Aquinas talks about justice, and justice is the virtue by which we give to the other his his or her due as other, it starts with divine justice. If we want to change the world, it starts with our relationship with God and recognizing our need for God. And then it extends out to the people in our lives, the people in front of us. And then and only then can we change the society and the government and all of that's around us. But so often we fall into that mimetic theory of thinking, well, if we just get rid of that thing or group or person or idea, then we'll be okay. But it must start in our hearts. We must change. The first words of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark are metanoiate in Greek, which literally means have your mind transformed. The first words of our Lord in the oldest Gospel are change, convert. Sometimes it's translated as repent. And this is not an easy thing for us to do because we want to look at ourselves with pride. But St. John Chrysostom, in commenting on this gospel, he said if we look at these two people, the, the publican, the tax collector, and the Pharisee, it's like two charioteers. And in one chariot, you have pride and righteousness. And in the other one, you have humility and sin. And in the eyes of God, the one of humility and sin is way ahead of the pride and righteousness. And that's where we must start. is not with what we are great at doing, not with all of the wonderful things we do for other people, but of our own need to be renewed and transformed. St. Paul says it in the letter to the Romans, to allow your mind and your heart to be transformed by Christ and not conformed to the world. But St. Paul also tells us in this second reading from the second letter to Timothy how difficult that is. Because in his hour of need, in his trial, what does St. Paul tell us? At my first defense, no one appeared on my behalf, but everyone deserted me. Christian that he was, he doesn't blame them. He doesn't get angry at them. May it not be held against them is his very next line. Friends, this is how the life of Christ lived out in our daily life changes us. 
So that even when we look at the worst that the world has to throw at us, being abandoned to the courts by all of your friends, no one to stand there. Now, in the ancient Mediterranean society, it was incredibly important to have someone standing there on your behalf to testify to your character and your goodness. And St. Paul was totally abandoned in that. And in that world, he had every right to be furious. But he wasn't. And this is what God desires for each of us. But it starts with humility, coming before the Lord and recognizing our brokenness. Practically speaking, for each and every one of us, we are so graced as Catholics to have the sacrament of confession. If you've been away from the sacrament of confession, come on back. Let the Lord relieve those burdens that you're carrying with you. Let the Lord take those away, take them onto himself and bring healing into your life and then send you forth to change the world with his love, with confidence that comes only from the Father and his love and his mercy. Confession is one way we do this, but also a daily examination of conscience. If you want to change your life, before you get in your bed every night, kneel down and look back on your day and say, Lord, where, where did I give you glory today? And where did I fall short? And then ask the Lord for the help to give him more glory tomorrow. Lord, maybe today I fell short in that conversation with that person at work. Lord, tomorrow give me the strength to apologize. Lord, give me the strength to compliment that person I tore down through nasty speech behind her back. Just asking the Lord each and every day, inviting him into your life, recognizing, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Every day changes us. And the last thing that I would encourage each of us to do is serve. Serve. Give to the point of it hurting. There's another parable where Jesus talks about a, a Pharisee and a, and, a, and a maid, or an old woman, a widow, excuse me, in the, in the temple. And the one gives a huge amount, and the, only, the widow gives all that she has. And what does he say, right? The widow gave more. Why? Because she gave from her need. When we give from our need, when we give to others, when we don't think that we have the strength, we create a space within us where we take away our own selfish gaze into our heart. We turn our hearts and our minds toward others, toward God. And then who comes in behind that and fills that space in our life? But God. The world has enough people who want to pile on, who want to blame other people. But you and I have been baptized and called by Christ to something grander, to something greater, to freedom. And it starts in humility. And recognizing, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner.